stepping back and stroking to Bogdanovich, thinking about a three. There it is. Yes! See it again. No double team help, and B takes it right to the rack. going on everybody it is sunday may 1st the sixers they have their first, second round series tips off tomorrow against the miami heat in miami they just finished off the raptors in six games i wanted to bring on a special guest tyrone johnson of 97.5 the fanatic tyrone how you doing today sir doing well doing well thanks for having me i appreciate it no problem. I got you up real early in the morning today, so so uh, we'll, we'll 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 talk some we'll talk some hoops here. So, um, game six, they they it's a tightly contested first half, mm-hmm. um, and they come out and they just smoked them in the second half. I mean, it, it demolished them. Um, what stood out to you in the second half? A few things. Um, one thing that the series ended up being about that we didn't recognize it probably enough in real time is when the Raptors were winning, it was more about what the Sixers weren't doing than necessarily what they were doing. Um, a lot of those turnovers, for example, in those games after game one were just the Sixers being sloppy more than necessary Toronto doing something different. And in the second half, you saw during long stretches, the Sixers shot better than 40% from three in five of the six games of the series. And as soon as Doc figured out, Hey, make the Raptors system more athletic, beat you with the jump shot. And for, for so long, he was letting them get to the rim. Once that stopped, they just had no chance. They went through it. It seemed like a, like a seven-minute stretch in that third quarter where they didn't score. Yeah. Talking about the Raptors, it was just like, forget about it. And then obviously, Maxi, um, you, you would think during the series that the, uh, the physicality of the Raptors, the athleticism started to bother him as it went on. It did not bother him at all in game six. He started firing from three, and that made a huge difference. Those 12 threes he took in that game, He's just becoming more and more unguardable when you have Joel Embiid and James Harden. So that was another thing that I took away from that game. Like, if the Sixers had been able to put their foot on the gas the whole time mentally, they probably would have swept that team. Absolutely. I'm waiting for people at the national level to sort of be like, like, stop stop saying it's, it's it's oh, this is about Joel Embiid and this is about James Harden. No, this is, you got three guys here that the, the third guy has continued to prove himself throughout the entire season. Um, yeah. And, you know, the time will tell if he hits a wall or if there are any kind of questions about what his ceiling is. But 13% jump in his three-point percentage from last year. Um, he's responded to a bunch of different environments and contexts and teammates. He's taken over games when, when other guys weren't available. He's done everything that you would that, that you can do to suggest that if he was a top-five pick, oh, this guy is a star. Like, right. like, like he's done everything to suggest that otherwise. The only reason that there's any doubt is because he wasn't a top-five pick. And right. that's not necessarily his fault. Um, no. I think you, you touched on a huge point in that the the three point shooting was really big for them because in the first couple games of that series they shot sixteen of thirty two, fourteen of thirty, thirteen of thirty one, um, and then they even shot thirteen of thirty one in game four when they lost. But the big thing, the, the three point shooting, the, the the volume of shots they were making from three gave them a margin of error to turn the ball over. They could afford to turn the ball over because they were just bludgeoning Toronto with threes. 
Um, and that wasn't the case in game five when they shot 10 of 37. So they, that, that they compounded their own mistakes and, and, and minimized their margin of error in that game. But I thought the big thing, and it was poetic, if you ask me, um, they said, you know what we're going to do in, in, in the second half? Seattle's going to trade again. We're going to sell off of Scotty Barnes. We're going to sell and, 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 and short his ability to make jumpers. We're going to bet against that. We're going to go and we're going to force the ball out of Siakam's hand and make him pass to Scotty Barnes. Exactly what teams have done to Ben Simmons, where they've played off Ben Simmons for, for years, clogged a lane and completely marginalized the Sixers offense. And Toronto couldn't get anything to shot, anything, anything to fall. Barnes missed a bunch of outside shots. Uh, they got out and Sixers got out in transition and put the game away just with that strategy alone. And, they got in his head. They completely marginalized Barnes in the second half of that game. And that was really the entire story. Yeah. And what's interesting is obviously he could have done that sooner, Doc. Yeah. Um, the, the difference obviously is that Barnes will work on it in the offseason, but it became very clear like, what is that young man who's obviously rookie of the year and plays great defense? What does he have to work on? Go in the gym and shoot a thousand threes a day and blah, yeah. blah, blah. Like clearly that's what he has to be. Yeah. But, you know, that actually showed in game five. It's just the Sixers didn't take advantage of it. That yeah. third quarter, they scored 21 points in the third quarter of game five. I'm talking about the Raptors. 21 points. If the Sixers just take care of their business and put up 30, they're down one going into the fourth, and they probably do close it out at home. Instead, the Sixers scored 14 points yeah. in, the, in, the, in the quarter where the Raptors only scored 21 points. Yeah. That's another thing. Like, that offense, don't get wrong. Like, Nick Nurse is a, well, he's a good excellence of those coach. We'll get into something I think he was problematic in this series. His behavior was problematic. I thought it was embarrassing. Embarrassing. Yeah, the way that he conducted himself, but the X's and O's were good. But there were still some times where it was like, you know, if the Sixers had just played offense that quarter, even though O and B got beat to rim six times, they scored 21 points in that quarter. Yeah. I, it, just looking back on it, it's shocking how pedestrian that Raptors offense is when Van Fleet's out. And I know they said, well, it was a blessing. It was a blessing in game five. It was not a blessing in game six. They badly needed his scoring. And that's why, like, don't go by that back. Oh, maybe they should move him in the offseason. No, no. That offense is was very flat without him. They couldn't move the ball. And it was just one small adjustment. There was no plan B. The Raptors had no plan B. Oh, wait, if Siakam's not killing them, we have nothing else. Because um, Trent's not good enough. I mean, he's a third option. He's and he's not a first or second My option place. in real life. Yeah. Yeah. Um no, I mean, you, you raise a good point about the scoring. I think in a lot of ways that was something that was probably glossed over when people were, were terrified of game six and game seven after they lost game five. Like, no, if you just if you just like showed up and didn't take NyQuil at halftime, you would have put the series away in the second half in game five and would have been done. But that brings us to our to our final topic for 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 the Raptor series, because late in the fourth quarter, uh on a drive to the basket, Pascal Siakam issues an elbow to Joel Embiid's face, and Joel knew it. Uh, basically, on the spot, he said, I think, "I think he broke my face," and he was he was right. He has a fractured orbital bone um, and a mild concussion. I I it's not, I'm not quite sure where you stand on this. I don't I don't know that it was intentional, but I we've seen Siakam do dirty things in the past against Joel when he tripped him in the first, in the second round, 2019. And I also think that there's an element of their fans and their media throughout the series were literally encouraging dirty play from them. Yeah, and absolutely. I thought that was from the fans, it's fans, but from the media, that's just distasteful, I think. And I, and I thought 
you know, nurse's whole act of every time there was a foul that was not in his favor, it was hands on my head, mouth open. I'm going to whine. Um, they were worried about the, about the officiating more than anything else, the entire series. And then ironically, you could argue that I, you know, if the, if, if the officials had whistled Pascal Siakam for elbows throughout the series, you would have conditioned him maybe to not throw an elbow in the late, late in that fourth quarter. What was your reaction to that whole uh, situation? Yeah. I, I think Nick nurse set the tone for it. They lose the first two games by combined 35 points. And when they go to his press conference, he leads with the officials. The Sixers had completely outplayed him in those two games. And then he leads with the officials and talks about how the refs, do they have the courage? He's talking about, talking about the courage of the referees and stuff like that. So that's act one. The refs are cowards. That's what I will say. They respond to stuff like that. If, they, if they're looking at film, they're supposed to be evaluating every game, so they claim. You, you, why would you care what he says? If, you, if these were calls and you looked at them and they were fouls, who cares what Nick Nurse says? But they cower to that. So that changed the dynamic as the series goes on. The same amount of physicality that was causing 12 uh, foul shots in one game, later on that same amount is only six. Even though the, what, the, what the tactics haven't changed, the referees have changed. So you're setting that up. Then he even went as far to say that the only one game won because of Joel Embiid's elbows. So specifically saying elbows. <laughs> and then I'm to believe that by coincidence, of all things, it wasn't a push. It wasn't a punch. It wasn't this. It was an elbow. I'm supposed to believe that it's just a coincidence. I don't think it was just a coincidence. What I mean by intentional is, well, I'm going to swing this elbow. If I miss it, okay, fine. If I hit it, that's great too. And then for the announcers, and this is what people don't understand, the announcers to say Embiid got what he deserved. That's 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 that's, that's bullshit. It's it's just ridiculous. And then here's the bad part: people say the Toronto people on social media saying, "Well, they didn't know he was hurt." I don't think people understand. And I tried to say this on the radio as well. If you're okay with the elbow, you're okay with the injury. Because unless you've never been in a fight in your life, seen a fight in your life, like I'm saying, if you've ever been around anything, you've seen UFC one time, elbow strikes to the face do damage. Yeah. Like, like they, they hurt. What did you think was going to happen? Like, what do you think happens when an elbow hits somebody in the face? Oh, my goodness. Now, because the orbital bone is broken, now I feel bad. No. If you're okay with the elbow, elbows cause that. Like, what, what do you think happens when grown six foot nine people swing an elbow and hit them in the face? Damage happens. So if you're okay with the elbow and say that's what he deserves, you're by way saying you're okay with the injury because that's what happens when people get elbowed in the face. Yeah. It was just ridiculous to me. Now, like, like I, I can't say that I know that his intention was to, like, like oh, I'm going to try to break Joel's orbital, orbital bone. Or I'm going to strike with enough, enough force to do that. What I do know from, from watching Siakam is very skinny man, does not have a lot of meat on those arms. That means elbow contact is going to be very bone on bone. Just like when you punch somebody in the face, you get a lot of bone from the knuckle mm-hmm. on bone to the region that you're hitting. So, it's a, undoubtedly painful, first of all, because elbow to the face. Um, but there's a lot of bone there, and that bone impact is going to cause damage. Um, and you know, I, I, I'm not going to spend the whole time, like you know, ranting about Toronto media. But you're supposed to conduct yourself with a little bit of like objectivity, a little bit of like neutrality, and to say like he got what he deserved, or like, come on, man, like don't like don't showboat, you know, like like we see guys throughout the NBA, throughout baseball, throughout f- football, all sports across for decades upon decades, guys have made big plays and they've showboated on the way back. 
have not not all of them have 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 gotten injured on the way back, and you don't have every announcer saying he got what he deserved. It was right. very much an emotional fan based re- reaction, and it showed a lot of true colors about the fan base. And I think when you have a broadcast where you have X thousands of fans listening to that because they can't get into the game, you're saying it's okay, fans, to say malignant things and wish this upon people. You're this is okay. I'm tell I'm doing it. You can do it too. You have to set the precedence and say like, no, we don't want any of this happening. Um, And, you know, Danny Green last night gave an account of what happened uh, after the game where Joel was holding his head a lot and was sensitive to light. Uh, Sounds like evidence of a concussion. I know Mm -hmm. when I talked to the Sixers yesterday at practice, they were kind of keeping it down like low key, like, oh, we don't really know what his symptoms are. He doesn't feel that great. Um, I'm sure they have a pretty good hand on. They just don't want to say much because they don't want to give away timeline or anything like that mm-hmm. um but we will see i suspect just just from guessing they're probably more worried about how the concussion holds him out than they are the orbital bone mm-hmm. i had to guess the orbital bone is secondary in nature to the concussion um in that they think he can probably play through that whereas the concussion he has to just be like okay like something right, right. Uh, but time will tell now Move on to the Heat. Um, I'm curious what you make of this matchup. I tend to like this matchup a lot more than I like the Raptors matchup. In fact, my sentiment before the playoffs was that I didn't know that they could win the Raptors series because of the matchup with the athleticism and the length and you know the history. I had a I was more confident in their ability to win a series against the Miami Heat. In the second round, mm-hmm. yeah. That, now this is what's uh, interesting. Um, let's assume let's be let's be uh, positive in the Sixers' favor, and Joel Embiid can play from Game Three on. Let, let's say that um, the word is so far, and I don't think you've heard different that he doesn't need surgery on that orbital bone fracture, and um, therefore he could play with the mask. And then it's about clearing concussion protocol. So the game was last Thursday. We're obviously doing this on Sunday. Let's say by Friday. So that gives him still another five days. That would be more than a week. Like if it was an NFL player, it would be more than a week of recovery from that concussion. Let's say he's able to play in that game three. Here's the, the, the difference that gives him a chance. Um, and you, you mentioned Maxi before. It's okay. They're going to have to double and Bam's a good player, but we've seen he cannot cover and be one-on-one. And assuming Embiid has to play, even in a diminished state, they have to double him. That's a given. Harden, we know they probably don't want to double. They want to try to do what the Raptors did and try to one-on-one. They're going to try to do that. Well, who's going to do that? It probably has to be, what are you going to put, Tucker on him or Butler? Because obviously Lowry's most likely too small. Okay, let's say they do that. I don't know exactly who guards Maxi in this series. And Tobias is Tobias. like Tobias, But I don't know who guards Maxi. And while the Raptors ended up having success because they had so many athletes with length to throw at them, Miami does not have that. They have good heroes, a good player. Oladipo, a good player. But with Hero just being Hero and Oladipo's knees, neither one really want to defend at all. Lowry is not 100% healthy. Clearly, he's been missing time. He's in his late 30s at this point. He does not want to guard a guy like Maxi for 40 minutes. No yeah. one does. And if you end up having to put Jimmy Butler on him, that's a, that's a lot of energy spent that he then can't spend on the other end. And he's not 100%. 
If you get Joel Embiid in this series, you absolutely can win this series. That's really the key. Without Joel Embiid, they probably don't have enough good players because, again, as I mentioned here on Oladipo, well, that's what they have coming off the bench when they have everyone playing. And we know what the Sixers have. And Thibel's performance being so poor in that series in the games that he did play, it just like, – if we can do that for one second, because this is a factor, you would think going into the playoffs, like, okay, if we get past the Raptors, Thibel's defense will be really, you know, it should really help us in that series or it'll help us against the Heat because he'll have to guard Butler at times or Lowry or blah, 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 hero. We'll see what he does. He was so poor in that series that that is a, a strike I kind of against the Sixers because if he's bad, they don't really have much of an alternative. So really, if they lose the series, I think it's going to be more about the Heat bench being far superior to the Sixers bench. And if they win the series, it's going to be because they don't have a guy to, uh, to guard Maxi. That's how I look at it, because I'm trying to make Embiid, assuming he plays, sort of a given. Harden, we've seen, he's not Houston Harden, but he doesn't stink. He's a tremendous passer. He can still heat it up when he needs to. He does not stink. So I'm making him a given. I'm at the point where I'm saying Maxi, four out of seven games, he's a given. After that, though, the Heat do have probably better players after those three. And that's a troublesome thing looking into the series. What do you think about that? So I think you hit the nail on the head with, with Matisse. Um, I think Kyle Newbeck, who does a great job of Philly voice. Um, yes. He put it very well in his game five story. Matisse's offensive shortcomings are so, so brutal most of the time that it, basically outweighs what he does on defense because even if he has a really good defensive showing on any one night he he his his reputation is that he's an he's a non-factor on offense so they're going to play off of him and sell out on him and say we're going to give you this weak side corner three we're going to give it to you all night long we're just going to clog the lane send extra help to joel or to harden or to tyrese and we're going to give you that three all night long even if he makes it they're still going to give it to him it's better it's a better, it's a higher quality shot for the defense than is letting Embiid go one on one or letting Tyrese go off or let James go off. His uh, Matisse's offense is so detrimental that you almost you basically can't keep him on the court for more than 15, 20 minutes a game. Um, and that's not going to change whether he makes five threes in game one, whether he makes 45% of his threes in the series. It's not going to change because that just by philosophy standpoint, a coach is going to say, we will live with him making 45% of his threes. We can sleep at night with him doing that. We're not going to live with Joel eating us one-on-one, -on -one, Tyrese and, and James eating us alive. Um, now, in terms of the of the wing depth, I think you you also nailed, the, the, nailed it perfectly there. Some people go out on Saturday nights. I watch film <laughs> on Saturday <laughs> night. And uh, I was watching the, the the fourth game of the season series last night. The Heat switch everything. So they, they don't want to they, – they don't want – Kyle Lowry, Jimmy Butler, any of their older veterans playing significant minutes against any particular one matchup. They're switching everything. What that means is that's ultimately going to play to the Sixers' advantage because they can go small, small with the pick and roll. They can have James screen for Tyrese, Tyrese screen for James, shake in the action, whatever they want to do, Danny in the action, whatever they want to do. And they're going to get switches on that. The counter to that, of course, is – the Heat are going to ultimately play P.J. Tucker on a smaller guy and straight up because that switch is going to get P.J. Tucker on Tyrese Maxey. And that kind of is – that's that's a good counter for a possession here, a possession there. Um, 
I think ultimately what this comes down to is the Heat are an, an absurd defensive team. Their offense is shaky at best. Um, and, you know, Tyler here is going to score his points. Jimmy's going to bully ball his way to the free throw line. He's going to get his shots in the mid range. Um, Kyle Lowry's going to get his, but their defense is really what, what, where, they, where they're going to make their, their, their bones. Their passing lane defense is really good. You have to make crisp passes, can't turn the ball over in live ball turnovers. Um, and I think just ball movement, as simple as it is sometimes, is really how you're going to beat them because they're not particularly quick. They're not particularly agile. And so when you swing, when you're swinging that ball around the perimeter and you're, and you're swing, swing passes onto the weak side, and then you have them in rotation, that's creating open shots for everybody. And I think the heat and the heat, their pro their shot profile for what they give up, they give four, they, they owe 41% of their, of the shot volume they allow is from three, 28% from the mid range, 30% from the rim. So they want to give up threes. You can well, punish them from three. Mm-hmm. So I think that's the key to how the Sixers play this series against the Miami Heat is the without Embiid ball movement galore. Um, don't let that don't let it stick at all. And I mean they're going to go ice heavy with Harden sometimes because that's just the nature of it. They're going to punish yeah. switching. But I think the Heat are going to say we can give you threes. We're happy with that. We had a bio at the rim. We're not giving you up the rim. We, we, you know, we, we're not going to give up the mid range either because they, you know, they don't give up a ton of shots there. The Sixers, if they're going to win a game in Miami, one game in Miami, it's all they have to win is one game in Miami without Joel. Yeah. They, they, they're going to have to make 14 of 32 from three, which is yeah. And I, and just from, just, just from knowing Joel and having talked to him over the years, he's someone who's very, sensitive to the idea of missing games because of the first two years of his career and what that meant for the way that he is perceived around the NBA. And so he doesn't like to miss any unnecessary time at all, but no one does, but particularly him. He's like, if I can, if I can play, I'm playing. Um, I, I would guess just completely uneducated guess. He'll probably try to make a push for game two is my guess. Really? Yeah. Just my guess. I, I don't know. Yeah. But I, I think if his concussion symptoms have subsided, he's going to say, give me that mask, I'm playing. And the yeah. Sixers are going to have to either say, all right, or they're going to say, let's hold you out one more game. Our staff says no. Game three, you're fine. Yeah. Um, that's – yeah, I, I think I, – here's the thing. I think we both agree he's going to play in the series. Yeah. At first, it seemed like, oh, my goodness, out because it's going to be a couple of weeks. Because if you need surgery, it would be no way because yeah. – it would take two or three weeks just before the doctors would be okay with fitting him with the mask. And then it's about, are you comfortable in that mask? He's worn it before, but that was years ago. Like you do something once years yeah. ago. I don't, so he's going to have to get used to it. I do think he's going to play in the series. The three point thing is another reason why I brought up how he made 40% or more five out of the six games, even one of the losses when they make shots. And I know that this seems like a cliche, but it's, it's for them in particular with Harden and B when they make shots and Maxi. They're really, really hard to guard. They become really hard to guard because the thing that the teams want to give up, that like Daddy Green, that's his specialty. That corner three, like he, I believe when he's 70, he'll still make those. Oh, yeah. And that's why it's unfortunate that he's of uh, the Thibel situation. And, and this is where it could it haunt. You mentioned uh, Kyle's article. If any any fan out there that watched these games, you saw that if you watch him at all, they're just they leave him like right away. Like when he's in a game with Embiid. His man just leaves him. 
and is doubling and beat immediately. Like before the catch, then they're like, here's there. And then they'll let him shoot that shot. And it's like, there, are, there might be moments where he's unplayable yeah. because if they need to make the three ball and we agree that they do against Miami and Miami wants you to shoot them, you looked up the, the data. He just becomes kind of unplayable at moments. And then here's the question. If Green's out because he's an older player, he can't play 40 minutes. Who plays in that spot? Like, is it Shake Milton? Cork Miles? Like that. And that's the part where Shake did not have a good series. Um, Now, some of it was he played a lot of minutes in game one when Maxie was going was Like, he was volcanic. Like, he's, he's just so hot. Like, he shouldn't have been shooting. Like, it was almost hot potato. He would get the ball and immediately get it to Maxi. And Maxi was killed. Like, but good. Like, that's I'm not going to hold against him. But in some of the other games, there was opportunities to make plays from Shake, And he didn't do it. And that's where it's like, I feel like five versus five. Even in the game, in a game without Joel B, starting five versus starting five, I think the Sixers will be just fine. In fact, I think they'll have the advantage at, at times. When they go to the bench and Hero or Oladipo come in, and this is assumed that Lowry and Butler play. So then those guys are coming off the bench. And Robinson and, you know, their regular starting fives out there. Bam and Tucker and all them, they're out there. When they go to the bench, can the Sixers just get, just tread water during those minutes? When they tread water, like, like Paul Reed was minus two for the whole series. I would sign for that right now. Great. That's great. You live with that right anytime. <laughs> right. Yeah. Like, Fantastic. He's going to play with those bench guys. Like, he, like I know in early in the series, they had him playing basically with the starters. But as it went on, he was playing with different, you know, mixes and matches of sets, and he was minus two. Great. I'll sign for that right now. If you can get that again, you can win the series. Yeah. Like, if you're only minus two in the minute he's in, that's great. But someone from the bench is probably going to have to make shots. And if it's not Thibel, and it likely won't be, who is it going to be? Does Shake make some shots in this series after not doing it? Does Court Moss, you, you see Doc every time, like you think Court Moss is totally out and he gives him a couple minutes and he hopes that he makes a shot and then he can leave him in. And he keeps on not. Yeah. Sooner or later, does he? Because I think he's going to get opportunities when Thibault proves once again to be a little bit unplayable. And that's going to be the key to me in the series. Can they get anything offensively from the bench, at least until Joel Embiid is back? Yeah, I, I, I think if, if they can get like 20 points a game off the bench, that's probably pretty decent. I mean, mm-hmm. the thing is this, like they're not going to have to expense so much energy to, to, to create their own shots because yeah. if they're moving the ball, guys are just going to be getting practice level catch and shoot. Mm-hmm. Runs, and it's going to not get hard. Um, it, I, the, the center position in Joel's absence is, is, is very intriguing to me. I, I think they might might go Niang at the five just because maximize like yeah you maximize spacing last time Harden was in Houston we saw them play we saw Daryl trade away Clint Capella to get Robert Covington and they were like you know what we don't have a hundred chance in hell on defense anyway let's just go all in and spam the offense and we're gonna go five out give James the driving lanes and, and see what happens um maybe they go Niang at the five and experiment with that they're gonna hemorrhage points at the rim they know they're gonna hemorrhage points at the rim they're banking in that scenario on James getting whatever he wants, the driving lanes opening up and everybody getting to the rim. It's a, and it's an offense party. Um, the Sixers with Niang at center this season, I think it was only 84 minutes, minus 15 roughly points per 100 possessions. That's a, that's a pace of an 11-win team. Um, so not good, obviously not good. But that's an, that's an option worth consideration 
rather than saying we're going to live with DeAndre Jordan starting or we're going to live with Paul Millsap starting. Um, it, in, in watching, rewatching some of the game, they were comfortable playing Paul Millsap in, in, in up on screens with Kyle Lowry. When it was DeAndre Jordan, they were just dropping him a little bit moderately to the paint, and Kyle Lowry was just walking into open three after open three. Open threes. I remember, like, open threes. Yeah, like, uh, like he's shooting, and then he's already back at the other end defending because he knows these are going in because they were practice shots. Like, he's just yeah. coming down. Like, it was killing him, and that part's going to be interesting. That That's a good idea. Um, You know, this is where, obviously, we can't worry about it now, where we, you, I know you were calling for it. Sometimes Doc would get mad and other people would call on it. Um, this is why you play those young guys in the regular season, even if it's uncomfortable for you, so that they're more prepared for this. And you saw with Paul Reed, again, only minus two. We're not ripping him. Um, there was times where he did look a little lost or he gets turned around and stuff. You know what it looks like? A guy who hasn't played enough basketball. Yeah. If he played more basketball, like give him eight minutes a game. I'm saying, but he knows. For these eight minutes, I can go make a mistake and you're not just going to pull me after one minute. I'm going to play eight minutes sometimes. Or if Embiid does miss, he's going to play 20 minutes. And just have him play more, he would be more ready. Nick Nurse has done a good job. That's why pretty much whoever the Raptors went to, they looked like they had been out there. They weren't necessarily talented, but they looked like they had played with the team. So that's one issue. Um, I wish Doc had done that because if this was to happen, he'd be a little bit more ready and maybe he'd know better what Paul Reed's good at. Right now, I think he knows what his other big men are bad at. More than he trusts what Paul Reed's good at. Had he played him more, he might know more what he's good at and not have the, the reluctance. Because clearly, I think he's going to have to still play a lot. I know he said that yesterday, but I would thought sometimes it's like, I'll believe it when I see it. Like, Very good liar. Like, Very good liar. Right. Yeah. Is he going to like say that? And then next thing you know, here's Jordan. Because they're like, oh, I don't know who's going to start. The He'll play a lot, though. But what's a lot in Doc's mind relative yeah. to? And that's the part that does trouble me a little bit. Because I think a lot of Jordan would be, He's not any better at protecting the rim. No, no. And, and that would be extremely problematic. And Miami would probably salute that and applaud that decision by Doc if they did it. And yeah. I hope he just sticks with the kid and then learns the lesson that in the future, play these guys because you might actually need to play them when it matters. He won't learn the lesson because he <laughs> it's, it's killed him for years. Um, but but we, we, we can only hope. Um, I will say I will I will give Doc his credit for, for not – living on Jordan Island and saying, screw yes. these people, I'm going to, I'm, I'm going to go with my vet. And right. he went with Paul Reed, let him play through mistakes. The thing that does um, concern a little bit is the heat, like the, the heat are not a great offense, but they're fifth in free throw rate. So they're going to pull some things over your head and, and, and they're going to bait you. They're going to trick you into, into committing fouls. And the Sixers might find themselves like, Paul Reed has three fouls in the first quarter, or yeah. you know wh- whoever is the big is gonna be jumping jumping for joy at shot fakes, and then suddenly there's a backdoor cut, and boom, that's that's a bucket. Um, yeah. So th- they might find themselves, and he said it yesterday. He said we, we we might need all four. I believe that because you have two ostensibly foul prone young bigs. Because in, when you're young and you're a big, you're typically foul prone as is. Um, Every pump fake it looks like candy. Yeah. You're going after that can. <laughs> right, exactly right. And then you have Jordan, who is a foul machine, and then Millsap, which didn't get him much opportunity uh, when he was on the team. But you know, we'll, we'll see what happens there. So I think there is a chance that you see a, a bevy of bigs while Embiid is out. But I, I, I do agree. Like by and large, 
I, I, there would have been absolutely no harm in playing Paul Reed 20 minutes against the Detroit Pistons in the middle of, 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 of January or right. any, any of the, any, any regular, use your regular season to experiment with a bunch of different guys and, right. and, and get guys experience. Cause you never know who you're going to need and when you're going to need it. And this is also another point that I think in roster construction matters um, over the years, like the, 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 the heat when they made the finals, uh, Duncan Robinson was a, is, is now def- a little bit out of the rotation, but like not as much as he, you know, might might be. But Duncan Robinson was a huge part of their finals run. Undrafted free agent, Gabe Vincent, undrafted free agent, big part of right. that. Um, Max Struess is now starting in the rotation. Undrafted free agent. The Sixers for years have deprioritized picking guys up in un- as undrafted free agents and developing them and giving them chances to to grow and that's how you like manufacturing cheap death besides getting stars is the entire name of the game in the nba getting guy get getting guys that can solidify your bench and you can say i can trust this dude to, to give me 20 minutes a game 15 minutes a game make a couple threes or whatever and defend really well i i, I having three or four of those guys that you're paying one million per year over four years because they're on a rookie deal, undrafted, is so critical because that allows you to stack up on top top end talent and retain your max free agents. And you look at the Miami Heat; they are the the pinnacle of manufacturing that that and finding those guys, and that's why they can afford to pay big contracts. That's why the Warriors are sustainable; they manufacture cheap depth mm-hmm. and. Sixers don't do that. They now I can understand this offseason a little bit because you have the Ben situation that Daryl was trying to navigate. Yeah. You're trying to figure out what you want to do there. Um, you know, you sign Niang, you you know, you sign Drummond, and then and then you get you get hardened midseason. But I, I think big picture, if there's one thing we could take away from this team when all is said and done, whether they win or not, winning on the margins is as much about just finding guys that are like, hey, I'll play on. I'll play on a two way. I'll give me, give me eight hundred k a year, veteran minimum, whatever, whatever it is, and buying stock in those guys and growing them because right. the more cheap depth you have, the better off you are. Yeah, and two things. One, um, when the end was signed, I think Daryl Morey actually said they would, he would, he could play small ball five, and then you mentioned he did eighty four minutes the whole year. He had eighty two games with him just about, and he did eighty four total minutes. So it's like Doc said, I'll experiment. Get that out of here. Yeah. And then to your other point, um, even with the rookie, look at Springer. Um, I'm not saying he's not going to be a good player. What I'm saying is, is that every other rookie just about, including rookies on good teams, played in the NBA more than him. We'll go on to next season with no idea whether or not he could play. He was a first-round pick. So if they're not even willing to give the first-round pick some lumps, and there was times where guys, uh, Maxi had to miss with COVID. Obviously, Thibault had to miss with COVID twice. Um, there might have been opportunities for a young guy to play not in Doc's world, but if he's not even developing necessarily a first-round pick, and apparently he was extremely, everybody says he was extremely hard on Maxi. Maxi's just mentally tougher than everyone in the history of Philadelphia, so he could take it. It might have crumbled other rookies, and he might not have even been getting minutes these last couple of years, but he's so tough. If they won't even do it with a first-round pick, it is troubling, and if they lose this series, um, that thing that you brought up about the lack of experimentation and the lack of developing young guys on the fringes, it's going to haunt them. Like it'll be because, oh no, both 
both Bassey and Paul Reed are just completely out of their depth. So they're getting destroyed in those minutes. So then he goes with his vets because you know that's what he's going to do. Yeah. Run back to the veterans. Then those minutes will go terribly, at least in Jordan's case. I don't know. Millsap might have half a shot, actually. Like, I don't know. He's, he's well-rested. He hasn't played a lot. He, he, he might have half a chance. That's the thing that's going to be um, – that's going to haunt them. And like I said, I wish it would change. And now it's a situation where people were kind of hoping on one hand, like, well, at least if they lose to the Raptors, historically, we'll lose Doc. Now you're in a spot where if if they do all right in the Embiid games, you kind of can't get rid of Doc, so he will be back in that scenario. Like, you can't, like, fire him. It's like his fault that Embiid, in my opinion, I know some people are blaming him. It's not his fault that Embiid's over the bone got broken. Both teams had their starters in. Like, I don't know. Like, yeah. like he got an elbow. Like, I'm not going to blame Doc for that. Yeah. That means he's back. It would be nice if he had – I think it's a lesson he has to learn. Yeah. You're going to point it out, like, blaming Doc – People wanted to blame Joel, like, 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 oh, it's Joel's fault that 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 he got the elbow because he was showboating. Like, no, guys over the uh, uh, hit, players showboat in sports all the time. Everyone breaks an orbital bone. People wanted to right. blame Doc. There is a there is a a reporter from from your rival station who loves to show up once every six weeks and mm -hmm. ask a tough question and then get out. Um, and and, and you know. From a human standpoint, I can understand why Joel was in the game because you, Doc, Doc just spent the previous day defending his his legacy of of, of blowing leads. He blew they, they blew game four last year in in in, in uh, Atlanta when they were up eighteen. They blew game five in Philly at twenty six. Twenty, yeah, yeah. So when you see that as a human, you think it it, it unhashes memories for you, and you think I want to be really sure, and. Mm -hmm. You know, they still have their starters in. Give me one more minute and mm -hmm. then we'll take them out. Well, the unlikely happened and it's unfortunate, right. but it is what it is. It's not Doc's fault. It's not right. Joel's fault. It's, it's, it's on, it's just an unlikely occurrence that happened right. out of what you, what you could argue is a dirty play. Um, but all in all, I, I, I do remain optimistic about their chances in this series. I do ultimately give the favor to the heat because I agree. they've been consistent in like all year long they've been top of the conference and they have home court in the series but people are like oh it's going to be heat and five heat and six like i i think this is going to be a very tightly contested series and my i would venture to say that the series will be won or lost in games three and four in philly the yeah. Philadelphia games. Yeah, and that's why we'll see if it's a lot of intrigue, obviously. Um, Miami's favorite for a reason. Um, right now they're huge favorites. They were not huge favorites before yeah. the Embiid injury. If Embiid, if they find out Embiid's playing, those odds will switch back. They're uh, but they're favorite for a reason. Obviously, without Joel Embiid, they're better. Like we can't they may be better with Embiid. Um, and the coaching matchup, um, Spolstra gets more from guys than Doc does. Like yeah. that, I feel comfortable saying. Um Doc's not a bad coach. Like I know when people criticize Doc, we're not saying Doc's bad. What we're saying is that there's certain things we wish he would try to do. Oh. Right. There's things I wish he would do. Um, he's not a bad coach. You saw it. Like he outcoached Nick Nurse for long stretches. Like he made one adjustment. Nick Nurse had no plan B for a lot of stuff. Like Doc's not a bad coach. It's that um Spolster will probably get more from these guys. He has a deeper roster. And I think the depth of the roster. And then obviously, once you take a beat out, it's that much tougher. Because now you're playing more guys. Um, this is not a deep roster. They kind of knew that. And the Simmons situation dictated that. And then you have to hold out for a star with that Simmons situation. I believe next year they'll have more depth. I think they'll find some guys. 
but they don't. I think that the lack of depth will probably end up catching up to them over a long series, unless and the unless is can someone on the Sixers do something different? And I think that shake or court Miles or Niang didn't make a lot of shots. He could probably he could be he will be more effective because he also had nobody he can guard against yeah. the Raptors. There's a you can hide him on Tucker. You can hide Niang on a few guys in that series. Um, that you couldn't do because they were too athletic with the Raptors. So him being better, they're going to need somebody to be significantly better depth-wise or 30-point games from Tobias. And he's been very consistent, by the way. It's just he hasn't done that. You need either, yeah, 30-point games from him or someone from the bench to do something they haven't done to win. And that's why I think they're going to end up coming up short. But I think this is a distant series, assuming Joel Embiid. If Joel Embiid doesn't play, it's heat and five is what I would say. Yeah, that, yeah, that, that's what it is. You'll get one, but that'll be it. Probably game three you'll get, and then they'll come back four and they go. But if Embiid plays, I think this is a distant series. It could even go seven. But Miami just probably has more good players than the Sixers, and that's the part where we'll come away thinking hey, it won't be as bad as some of the other ones. Like, it won't be as bad as Atlanta. Atlanta and the Sixers were better. That was, a horrible, case, uh, that was the worst. Yeah. This one is Miami's better. There were some tough circumstances. This isn't a complete roster. It sucks that they're losing in the second round again, but I won't die. If 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 they were playing somebody else, like like had had there been an upset or something, and they were playing playing Atlanta again, then it would be like, wait, you're better than this team. Don't lose. It's different when you lose to a team that at least on paper is better than you. Yeah, I, I think with with Embiid, and first of all, the, the one thing we can say about the Sixers is. They do exactly what you don't expect them to do. They're not a normal team. They, they are entirely impossible to predict. Um, and that's why they could very well win a game in Miami in game one or two. Um, I think if they have Joel, you I'm like 49, 51 on you could convince me. Like they win a game in Miami, they win two in Philly, they have three to one versus you know, they win they split in Miami, they split in Philly. Like you could you could convince me 49, 51. I'm like on the line that, that they win the series with Joel. Without Joel, I think it's Heat and Five just because th- they have out of bio. There's too many. There's too many Heat guys that are that can play defense that can do things, and eventually, just Harden's going to run out of gas. You're gonna they're gonna they're gonna ride him as long as they can, and he's going to run out of gas. I do think though that you the, the point about needing someone on the bench step up is good. Um, I think it's even likely because for whatever reason, I don't I, I can't figure out why. The Heat were like blitzing the pick and roll with Shake as the ball handler, which makes no sense to me at all because he can't shoot from like he has to toe the three point line to shoot. Um, and when they were blitzing it, he was making the right pass, and then that was getting Niang like wide open threes on the weak side because there was no one there recovering in time. So I think if they can get those level of shots, or if they can punish that degree of inexplicable defense from the Heat from time to time you can win those bench minutes or even maybe get something just positive out of those bench minutes and then go back to relying on your starters. But all in all, like the depth I think is going to be huge in, in, in just winning in this series on the margins. Um, I, I think this is going to be ugly in that the heat aren't a sexy scoring team. Like, 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 like they run, they run a lot of like standstill actions for their shooters and whatnot. The Sixers are going to, are, it's really going to be a matter of, can the Sixers fight through the mud with the Heat, and can they score against a pretty good Heat defense? And that's really the key to me. It sounds like you're going Heat in five with that without Embiid and what? Who? Someone in seven? With I, I, yeah, I think Heat in seven. 
because I don't think it'd be I, – I need to see how comfortable he'll be. And obviously, I can't. I have to assume that, like, he's not going to be 100%. And also, I don't think he's going to be terrible. Um, but Bam is an active guy that can actually challenge him, and if it, and especially in being in a weakened state. And, and that's what makes it tough. And that's why that injury stinks. And, um, yeah, it, it just, it's just that. Also, when Embiid did that uh, celebration, um, let's not forget that for three whole games, and it, I don't know how this didn't get talked about more, Games three, four, and then uh, all of six. They're saying F and B in front of children. There's like kids yeah. there. They're yeah. cursing about B for the entire game. Was he not supposed to at some point? Kind of, right. Like he, we, we can't have it both ways. And that's the part that also stinks. Um, Cause we did that. And then a player ended up or like, it would be just treated just completely different. And I think that um, it's just bad. Like we don't want this happening. And the, everybody in the league should want their star players to be healthy and ready to Play. Like this series is not better without Joel Embiid. It's far worse. And it's a little odd that people aren't taking that more to task, too. Like, how much is that allowed to do? Like, if we did it with Ben Simmons, it was national news. They did it for three whole games, and I haven't heard a peep about it. There's also, like, oh, at least a little bit of reason with Ben. Like, I can understand the animosity that's so strong yeah. towards Ben. But, like, the reality is, like, it goes back to this ownership complex that the fans have where it's like, I buy jerseys. I watch on TV. I go to. I pay for tickets to games. I buy the food at the arena. That gives me a right to be obscene towards the players because you're a circus. I'm there for you. To, I'm there for you to entertain me, which is not how it should be viewed. It, there's still yeah. a, a level of respect in 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 between the fans and the players. But um, Tyrone, thank you so much for your time this this, this Sunday. I, I hope you enjoy the games today. Um, any, 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 anything you want to plug today? Sure. Um, obviously the Mike Missinelli show Monday through Friday, two to six on NBC sports, Philadelphia. And of course, 97, five fanatic. I'm on 9am to noon on 97, five fanatic and Sixers outsiders on NBC sports, Philadelphia after Sixers post game live. So even though we don't have the games on NBC sports, Philadelphia, Sixers outsiders will be continuing through the duration of the playoffs. So let's hope that there's another round. Tyrone. Thanks so much. Thanks so much, man. Appreciate it. Stepping back and